This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, today's show is unlike any I have ever made before. And so if this is the first time you're tuning in, I highly recommend you check out any of the 600 other episodes first to get a taste of what the show is actually like. And uh, for the rest of you, today is about reflecting back on the actual manifestation of my proudest accomplishment with this show. And, and then, in addition to that, looking forward to the most ambitious project I have ever been involved with. So uh, to lay the groundwork, May 2nd, 2011 is the date that Osama bin Laden was killed. And the reaction to that event gave insight not only into my own thinking, but the thinking of listeners who chose to call in and tell their stories as well. And nothing has made me prouder than coming to understand through these stories from the listeners that by the way I've produced this show, I have attracted an audience of some of the most nuanced, thoughtful, and compassionate people in the world. And I want to mark the anniversary of the event that started this conversation by revisiting those inspiring messages. So you will hear my initial reactions to bin Laden's death first, followed by those voicemails from listeners. And I, I think I think it is something you're, you're definitely going to want to check out. And then afterwards, uh, please stay to the end of the show where I will announce uh, the most ambitious and exciting campaign I have ever worked on that without using hyperbole, I believe uh, has the chance to actually change the face of progressive media for the better, but only with your help. So uh, hear that announcement and help if you can. Th this news is interesting to me because it gave me a look inside my own head in a way that news almost never does. Uh, you know, I have lots of strong opinions about lots of different political issues, and I've come to those opinions almost entirely based on kind of analysis and facts on one side and the other, and I hear both arguments and come to a conclusion that makes sense to me. But th this news was different because it's just something that happened, uh, and it's something that you know, our country has been trying to make happen for almost a decade. Uh, we had basically gotten to the point where we thought, well, eh, I wonder if that'll ever happen. And, um, you know, so I'm talking about my reaction before I heard word one of any kind of commentary uh, from any side, you know, liberal, conservative, uh, domestic or international, pro-terrorist, anti-terrorist. I, I don't know. I mean, zero commentary. I just heard Bin Laden had been killed, and my reaction was almost entirely apathetic. Uh, I certainly am not sad, but I'm also not happy. I, I, I basically just don't care. Uh, I don't know what impact it's going to have on the world. I don't know what impact it's going to have on our foreign policy. I would hope that it would have a positive impact on, on, on those things, but I really don't know. And what I found really interesting is that one of the first thoughts that went through my head was a little bit of disappointment that we didn't capture him. And uh, and so what that told me is that deep down, at, at my absolute core, on an emotional level, I just don't have like that bloodlust. I don't have the, the revenge instinct. Uh, it brought me no pleasure to hear that he had been killed. And I think that I would have derived more... 
I mean, like pleasure is not the right word. I think I just would have had a stronger sense of justice being served if we had captured him. And I'm not saying that you know what we did was wrong, uh, and and I'm, I'm I'm not even making the argument that for those people who see this event as uh, you know a, a sen- that they get a sense of closure or that they feel that justice has been served, I'm not even saying I'm not even making the argument against that. I'm really only talking from you know my own personal perspective on having this realization, the the deep and like fundamental degree to which I just don't need people to be killed. Uh, I don't need for people to be killed in our penal system, you know, through the death penalty. Uh, And I don't need terrorists to be killed. I just, I just don't need it. Uh, And that's not even to say, like, I'm not even making the moral judgment on whether it's right or wrong. Like I would generally, I think, come down on the side of, like yeah, let's not kill people uh, in a moral discussion, but and that's not even what I'm saying. So, uh, so you know that was my initial reaction. I got to look inside my own head. It's just like wow, what a total softy pinko liberal I am. Um, I I kind of kind of knew I felt this way, but uh, hadn't really been confronted with it. And then I heard. On uh, on the Daily Show, they had their moment of zen. It's the little tag at the end, and they played a clip that I believe was from Fox News. The guy, the reporter looked like Geraldo Rivera. He stuck a microphone in like a college student age uh, kid, and uh, and I heard this. I have two finals tomorrow, and guess what? I'm not starting from because we just killed Bin Laden. So I heard that, and right or wrong, that clip turned my stomach. And as I I said it before, I'll say it again. I don't care that he's dead. I'm not sorry that he's dead. Um, but to see people get excited about it in that way, and and you know, it's party time, and just like really, like I don't, I I don't connect with people on that level. I just I don't know how to get excited about that. Um, and to be honest, I don't even know what I think about myself feeling this way. I'm just kind of reporting to you my like unvarnished emotions about it with basically no analytical backing for it whatsoever. Uh, so if you have opinions, feel free to, to call in, let me know what you think. If you, you know, opinions about the event, opinions about my opinions, feel free. Uh, the number again, 206-202-3410. Hey, Jay. This is Gordon from New Mexico. I just got through writing a uh, letter to the editor on the same gist of that, that our bloodlust, it's just, it's it's crazy. And whatever happened to fair treatment of war criminals, irregardless of how bad or how uh, repulsive we think Osama bin Laden is, uh, do we, does he not deserve the same treatment that we would like to have under similar circumstances for our own, our own leaders or our own citizens. I was very disappointed in the response, and I, I, I want to support you in your feelings there. Anyway, uh, that's that's my thoughts. Do well. I enjoy your show. Bye-bye. This is Scott from Boulder. I just listened to your talk about your feelings about bin Laden being killed, and that inspired me to share with you my feelings about it, which I haven't heard anywhere either. And, um, They are this, you know, perhaps 
he's responsible for killing 3,000 Americans. I'm not entirely convinced of that. But that's not my point. Even if he is responsible for that, even if he's responsible for killing all those Americans and he's personally responsible for killing all of the troops in both fronts, in Iraq and Afghanistan, that still doesn't add up to even a significant percentage of the number of innocent civilians that we, the United States, have killed since 9-11 in this war on terror. And um, that equation hasn't been mentioned anywhere in the left or anywhere else that I've heard that if you want to measure evil in terms of its the number of people killed, there's this Bible quote that comes to mind that says, remove the log from your own eye before taking the speck from your neighbor's eye. And it seems like Bin Laden, in his wildest dreams, is not as effective a killing machine as we are. And if we are going to decry killing innocent civilians as evil, then we really need to look at what we're doing and what we're funding not only in the Middle East, but also even in uh, Mexico and Honduras and Latin America and all over the world, because that seems to be something we do a lot of. And uh, I'm personally afraid to actually say this, like on talk radio and get pilloried or whatever. I don't need to paint a target on my back, but it just seems that we need to, if we're in the calculus of evil, how do you measure that if you kill Americans, does that make you more evil than killing someone else, or what? Anyway, that's what I have to say. Thank you. Bye. Hi, Jay. This is Connie from Olympia, Washington. Um, I just wanted to call in and thank you for your comments about uh, the death of Osama bin Laden. I thought it was very brave of you to put forward that um that you're feeling, I feel the same way, and um, when I've told, most people who I've told um, have rebuked me for it, um, reminding me, you know, feeling that it's appropriate to remind me about the 3,000 people who died on 9-11, and that may be, but at the same time, I feel like, at the same time, reveling in the streets over it is, um, it doesn't become America, and I think it lessens us to see that happening in our streets. I would rather that we celebrate the, the peaceful overtures in the world, like the recent um, overthrow of Hosni Mubarak. But uh, anyway, thanks so much for all you do, and uh, keep up the good work. Thanks. Bye. Hey, Jay. This is Scott calling again from Arroyo Grande, California. Just wanted to call and comment on uh, your views about uh, Osama bin Laden uh, and his death and how you felt about that. Um, actually, I completely 100% agree with you. I was very um, put off and it's kind of disturbed by people celebrating a death, whether it be Osama bin Laden or whether it be a, a murderer on death row. The, these things should not be celebrated. They should be, they should be recognized but not celebrated. They are still human beings. They do horrible things, which is deplorable. But to celebrate and to dance in the streets like we, like you know, like we just won the championship is absolutely uh, uncalled for. So those are my views, um, kind of with you. I don't think you should feel bad. I know you're, you're kind of 
struggling in your head with how you feel about it, but just know you're not alone and, and, and other people feel the same way. Thanks. Love the show. Keep it up. Hey, Jay. This is Carlos calling in from the Chicago area. I just finished listening to the May 7th Best of Left episode on foreign policy, and I just got through to your your comments about how you felt about the assassination of Osama bin Laden. And I have to say that I think it's actually really admirable to feel that way. Not necessarily what you said about being apathetic, but about not being happy that he was dead and about not wanting to go out and celebrate out on the streets. And like you, um, I felt that way. And also like you, I felt that way before I saw what like the left pundits and what the right pundits were saying. It was once I saw that everybody was celebrating the death of, a, of, of another person that I was, that I was like, this isn't something that should be, um, I guess, worth celebrating over. Like, like your team just won the Super Bowl because there's so many things go into it. Like, I am, I'm a pacifist. I'm against war. I'm against capital punishment. So even though it was somebody as, as bad as. Osama bin Laden, I still think that celebrating a person's death, especially when when the celebration is is making it seem like his his, his the killing of him was worth what we the mess we have in Iraq and and in Afghanistan and with all the deaths from that happened on 9/11, it just, it just it just doesn't seem right to me. It doesn't seem patriotic to me or very American to me. And I just want to say that. Um, I really appreciate the way, I really appreciate you telling us what you felt, and, and I felt the same way. Thank you. Hi, Jay. Uh, this is Alp from New York. Thank you for the great work you are doing, and thank you very much for your response to Bin Laden's killing. It was really a big relief for me, because I was deeply disappointed by some leading uh, Progressive uh, media figures like John Stewart, uh, Stephen Colbert, uh, and Cenk Uyghur, like uh, celebrated it like a sports event. And uh, I don't know what is next for such an approach. I mean, if these people in Times Square they had a chance, would they just chop it as off, put it on a spike, and walk New York streets and? If so, then how much uh, did we advance really since those dark middle ages? Um, I believe we should be setting uh, much higher, much better standards uh, for ourselves. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Hey, Jay, this is Nick from Santa Clara. Just calling. I finished up your podcast. Uh, where at the end you were talking about the Osama bin Laden killing, and um, I... I just wanted to bring up a point that I, I, I haven't heard uh, yet, and I, I think it's it's something that that we're missing a lot. Um, and my feelings on it are, are that we we missed out on a on a really good opportunity here. Um, our country kind of we, we we rely on on this belief in the judicial system and this this belief that every person, no matter no matter what they've done, should should have a fair trial. In killing Osama bin Laden, we missed out on an opportunity to really prove to the world that we believe in that. I feel like instead we just we gave in to our emotions and said, "Oh yeah, let's 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 just kill him because he's he's public enemy number one." But 
But wow, wouldn't it have been great had we put him through our process and just really proven to the world, this is what we believe in, it works, this is how, how things should be done. Even, even public enemy number one can be, can, can be brought through this process and, and successfully tried and, and wow, look at us, we did it. That is, that is just amazing. Anyways. That's my opinion. I, I feel like we really missed out on a, on a great opportunity there. Anyways, thanks. Love the show, Jay. Keep it up. Bye. Hi, everyone. This is Patrick from Los Angeles. I just listened to the comments about the death of Bin Laden, and uh, wouldn't you know it, I was feeling uh, very much the same way. It was good to hear somebody else who... Um, who felt that way. I, I just think that celebrating someone's death, even if we didn't like what the person did or stood for, it just seems kind of grisly and morbid, like a public execution taking place during the Middle Ages. People really celebrating the fact that, you know, someone, an old man got shot in the head. Again, regardless of whether we thought he was a particularly worthwhile person, it, it, it just, it struck me um, as strangely bloodlustful. And the other thing is, I'm not like a 9-11 conspiracy person, but I really would have preferred to see the man go to trial. Because as I recall, he didn't, you know, he, he, he denied for a long time having anything to do with 9-11, despite, you know, being an admitted terrorist and everything else. And, uh, you know, the person who everyone seems to think was behind 9-11, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, is now having his trial in Guantanamo Bay, which is going to be a kangaroo court where there's no documentation, no records, anything, and he's probably just going to get executed, and we're going to read about it in the paper one day. Anyway, that's all. Um, keep up the great work, love the podcast, and uh, all you best listeners, have a good day. Hey, this is Annie from Rhode Island. Um, I just listened to your show, and I love you. I just, well, not you personally. I love your show. And... This one was hard for me. Um, I am on the younger side. I, it's been, I'm 22, so Osama has been legitimately 11 years of my life, which is fully half of my life. Um, I don't know if I can do justice to the effect that the war had on my day-to-day -day living. I, I don't, I really can't. Um, I'm in a military family. My family was torn apart. My mom didn't handle my dad going over so well. Uh, long story short, I, I ended up taking a lot of responsibility for younger kids that, you know, I'm not regretting and I'm not sad that I did. But what I guess I'm trying to say is your show, I, I feel I wasn't in front of the White House after I heard Osama bin Laden was killed. I was there. And I can guarantee you I wasn't chanting. I... I don't know if there's any other people that are crying, but I was just bawling. I, I couldn't handle it. I don't know. I'm not happy he's dead, but it's not like nothing happens. It's just feeling this huge weight that's just been on me that I didn't even realize was there. And I know it's imposed by the people who decided we needed to go to our war in Iraq and Afghanistan, and I know it's, you know, he was just the catalyst, but... The fact that, you know, again, he's been alive for, well, all of my lifetime, clearly, but he's been still alive and a fugitive and, you know, number one enemy, et cetera, et cetera, for 11 years of my life, and I just accepted that he would never be gone, and now he's gone. I cried. 
I didn't stop crying. And I guess it's hard to explain why it matters and why it's, I don't even want to say a victory, why it's such a crucial part and a central part to my life. And I'm, I'm always going to remember that night. I'm always going to remember just like I remember the night my dad got sent over. It's not something I'll ever easily forget. And I'm not saying that the people celebrating were wrong, but the people celebrating were much more likely to give me comfort than the people who heard I went to the White House the day after. Much more likely. I've actually lost a couple of friends because I went to the White House. I don't know. Well, either way, I'm just offering you a different perspective. Um, love your show. Please continue. Have a great day. I'm calling from D.C. Bye. Hey, Jay, this is Todd from City of Angels. Yeah, on the comments about being happy about the death of Osama bin Laden, um, you know, I, I too was, like, completely kind of, like, put off by the elation and the joy swelling up in me, you know, over someone's death. I mean, and part of that could be that our wrongheaded response has really hit home close to home I mean my my brother-in-law has been deployed five times now you know if you've seen the Hurt Locker you see what he does I mean his um his team got wiped out last time in Iraq you know and um <laughs> we happened to get the news as we were waiting for his um plane to land you know he's coming back from Afghanistan so you know I look at it, um you know the I look at Osama bin Laden's death as, you know, it's like, finally, there's light at the end of the door. You know, maybe we can get the fuck out of Afghanistan, you know, and bring us, our boys and girls, home. You know? And that's what makes me happy about it. I'm not going to run out in the street and chant USA. And I'm, you know, it was one night, basically, you know, if we'd gone on for a couple of days, I would have been really un uneasy with the with that, but, you know, it was one night, so I'm willing to give people a pass, you know, I wasn't willing to, to run out there and join them, actually I had more important things to do, like welcoming my brother-in-law back, giving him a hug when he got off that bus, so anyway, those are my thoughts, take care. It's Michael from Glen Burnie. Um, just wanted to call and uh, answer your call to uh, to talk about Osama bin Laden's death and, and our reactions to it. And, um, I don't know. I, I kind of run the gamut. I, 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 probably my only reaction at the beginning was that I was shocked, mainly that we actually did something we set out to do. But uh, like you, I wasn't particularly excited about it. And, uh, you know, that gradually changed as time went on and I engaged in discussions with people and I think I've actually come to a point now where I'm sorry that he was killed. Not so much from the fact that he's dead, that I miss him or anything like that, obviously that's not really the case, but mainly from the fact that, that killing him kind of took us down a notch as a country and I think as difficult as it would have been to go through, bringing him to trial and, and actually doing it legally and, and in line with what we believe and profess as a country would have said something powerful. 
and I, I feel it's a great loss to us that, that we, we gave up on that chance pretty much without even trying. I certainly understand the motivations for doing it the way we did, uh, you know, both logistical, realistical, realistical, that's a word, and, and, and otherwise, but uh, I, I just can't help but, but feel a, a sense of uh, not missed opportunity. So at any rate, thanks for everything you do. Take care. Hey, Jay. Um, my name is Shane from Philadelphia, and I just wanted to call and respond to, I guess, the death of the modern and also just the um, This American Life uh, clip that you played because it kind of hit me in a different way than some of your other clips because I am around the same age as uh, those people, those the college students I ever talked to, I'm in college myself, and I feel completely differently. Um, I'm 22, and when the 9-11 attacks hit, my school's on strike, I was at home, and I was 13 years old. And in, instead of feeling any sort of long-lasting fear and uh, just boogeyman terror from bin Laden, I felt next to nothing, and... Uh, in fact, I never outwardly admitted that for years. It was like, I, I think I was 17 or so before I even told that to my mom and was like, I didn't really feel anything when 9-11 happened. And just to, um, I don't know, put that in context or to explain that is, I was much more hit by when I was six years old and would watch the local news and quickly figured out that I could not watch that just uh, hearing stories about someone being murdered, uh, living in the suburbs of Philadelphia and, and hearing you know, the, the news coming out of this person was murdered or this thing happened. Um, and then later I was in fifth grade when Columbine happened and that was a big deal for everyone. Everyone that had a kid or everyone of school age. And while that made me, um, I guess, a little bit nervous for a while, it just kind of statistically, I didn't think it was a big deal. And it, it just, I just, I kind of, every large bad thing that happened, I just kind of put into a what'll happen will happen and there's no need for me to worry about it, I guess, kind of attitude. But um, it, it it just really struck me to hear people relatively close to my age saying how it just really impacted them, made them feel like there was this big looming fear over their heads when I felt absolutely nothing of the sort. I was like, bad things happen and this is just another bad thing and it, it, it i guess got me back it makes a lot more sense about the way that the u.s behaved because in a lot of ways i didn't really care about politics and i just found that completely perplexing that um we were putting so much effort i, I kind of intellectually maybe interested if i had no emotional um was not caught up in the whole in, in any way shape or form so i don't know i feel like that's something that i've never really spoken to on a big level and I don't think most people hear that perspective um, I hope I said it clearly and didn't ramble on for too long but uh, thanks for listening and uh, love your show thanks Hi Jay this is Robin from NYC and I've been listening to the callers 
ever since you first shared your feelings about Bin Laden. And I, yeah, I just keep thinking about it, and I want to share my own personal experience. So let me say first that I'm a New Yorker, a Brooklynite, born and bred, and uh, I was really lucky that I grew up with an amazingly cool view of the World Trade Center. Uh, since then, you know, I've traveled and moved around the country for some years, but uh, by September 11, 2001, I was living back in the city, downtown, in the East Village, and uh, when the day came and those planes hit the buildings, uh, for about the next two, two and a half months, I, the way I remember it, I was like nearly catatonic. I was like shaking and staring off into space and sweating and crying, screaming, whatever. Uh, and I, I did spend a lot of time at night at uh, Union Square Park where, like, hundreds would gather and, you know, later dozens. I'd be there until, like, late into the middle of the night. When there were, like, just uh, dozens of other people there until, like, I'd stay till 1 or 3 in the morning or something. And everywhere was full of candles, uh, things to sign, petitions, I don't know, uh, poets and uh, there was a lot of late night debates, you know, a lot of arguments about war and terrorists coming again and the, that could get pretty rowdy sometimes and uh, and and pictures of the missing the, the posters of the missing were everywhere, they papered the city, it was like the city was wallpapered with these posters of the missing and they they were in the newspapers, the TV and Murals, humongous murals sprouted up everywhere. It was one across the street from my house. Uh, <clears throat> but mostly, yeah, I was in a dazed state, you know, like for a long time. And uh, like uh, the next thing I remember, my friends were trying to talk me into coming over for Thanksgiving. And I was like, Thanksgiving? Like, what month is this? So uh, I had like old classmates and neighbors who were working at and around the trade center. So eventually, you know, um, I went back to working and the job market was like totally dry for about the next year or two, but um, I got on with it and um, despite my sort of permanent anger and fear and scars on my psyche as well as my skyline, uh, you know, the, the bush years were horrid I have to live through, but like I never stopped obsessing about the threat that it might happen again at any moment. And I, I raged against Bin Laden at the time, like all the time. And, uh, like, well, gradually less as the years passed. And, but I fucking hated that guy, you know, in every fiber of my being. And um, I, of course, realized that, you know, most people got by just fine as the years passed. But, you know, I'm, I'm way too sensitive and... That's just me, but uh, so now <clears throat> I hear that he's dead, and uh, you know my first instinct was like everybody else's, like oh my God, hallelujah, you know, can this be real? And I'm jumping for joy, and I'm crying for joy, and I'm praying for peace, and even though I'm an atheist, and I thank my president, and I giggle uncontrollably, like you know, I mean, I'm overjoyed. And so, you know, I'm watching TV, and I, I see the crowds partying down at, at the Trade Center and uh, at, the, at the 
you know, the site, the Ground Zero site, and uh, for a couple of minutes there, I really thought, like, I might just run down and go join them. So I'm watching, and, you know, I started thinking, like, gee, uh, I wish they had captured him, you know. I wish we had him and could just, like, throw him behind bars like any criminal loser motherfucker, you know. Uh, watch him and try and tell it to the judge about your stupid jihad motherfucker. Um, and I think that, you know, ultimately that would have been a lot more satisfying. But, um, and I began to realize that I was only watching uh, a bunch of rowdy frat boys popping champagne. And so, you know, I don't think I want to put myself in the middle of that mess. So, uh, but truth be told, I don't begrudge them their spontaneous elation. I mean, I too had a moment of supreme joy and a genuine sense of relief. So, you know, kids are kids and, you know, they get like that sometimes. So, this was a monumental moment for me too. And uh, we killed an icon. You know, it's a big fucking deal, as Joe Biden might say. So, um, well, I didn't go. I stayed home and continued to focus on the news coverage and opinion that, you know, it continues to pour out, and I'm still all over it. Uh, and generally, I've got a much more deeply nuanced view of the whole Bin Laden episode now, and I'm fine with you or other people having a different reaction than mine. You know, that's cool. Uh, and, and when you see the Bush administration criminals, they look ridiculous now, uh, you know, I'm relieved to be able to, like, laugh at them when I see them on TV. Uh, but, um, and I'm grateful that foreign policy is in more somber, serious hands today because uh, it's time we finally got our shit together and figure out how to live with the rest of the world from here on in. So, okay, thanks for letting me talk, Jay. Um, I love the show. Good night. Hey, Jay, it's Dominic from Castle Rock, Colorado, and I'm just calling with some, with some remarks on Osama bin Laden's death. And uh, I heard about, uh, about 9-11 when I was in second grade, so it's really affected my entire life. And... I was laying in bed on Sunday after hearing that he had been killed, and I was trying to justify killing him. And i just like to say that I think he deserves what he got, and the reason for that is because he taught my entire generation to be afraid. And fear is what caused 9-11, or fear is what caused Afghanistan, and fear is what caused Iraq, both of which killed hundreds of thousands of people. So I think that's the reason he deserves what he got, and that's all I've got to say. Thanks for the show. Bye. Hey, Jay, this is Brett from Omaha, Nebraska. I just got done listening to the uh, 22-year-old, I forget his name, the 22-year-old college kid that called in talking about how he felt about 9-11 and whatnot. And I'm also 22 years old. Um, I'm also a college student. And I just wanted to give a uh, little more insight on what a 22-year-old thinks of, of um, the college kids partying and um, that clip you showed about them being like extremely excited and whatnot. Um, it just struck me as, as completely odd. I mean, when I heard Bin Laden was dead... I felt close next to nothing about his death, but then I see these people going on, partying, screaming USA, and their reasons for wanting him dead are basically incoherent. Almost seemed like just an excuse to party. I mean, when I heard he was dead, I went and researched his transcripts and, and looked up 
the politics behind 9-11 and all that stuff and kind of came to the conclusion that although, yes, bin Laden was a terrorist, the same could be said about some factions of the U.S. government and the military-industrial complex that have done terrible things, that have truly terrorized people all over the Middle East, all over the world, really. And so terrorism, is, it seems to be a relative term. I mean, if you're in the Middle East, an American has come off and has been terrorist many times over. And, you know, if you look at the innocent casualties in the Iraq and Afghanistan war, I think they're over, I'm not even sure on this, but I think they're over 100,000 innocent deaths um, from civilians living in those countries. And only 3,000 people died on 9-11. I'm not trying to make comparisons here. I'm just saying that if you define Bin Laden as a terrorist and you think he's deserving of, of justice and everybody, college kids, old people, no matter what, should look at some of the things that America has done and said, wow, those are objectively terrorist acts as well. Thanks, Jay. Keep it up. Hey, Jay. My name is Jason. I'm calling from Rupert, Idaho, and uh, I'm a little late on the bandwagon here about this um, whole Osama Bin Laden thing. Um, I just caught episode 487, and uh, that really got me thinking that some of the voicemails you played got me thinking that I need to figure out how I'm feeling about this thing and how I need to articulate what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling. Uh, 9-11 happened my senior year of high school. I've, I'm 27 now. I've grown up, shouldn't say grown up, my whole adult life has been, there's, that's the defining moment in my lifetime. There was before that and after that. And while I would like to be able to say that I'm happy about what happened, I'm not. I can't say I'm sad about the death of Osama bin Laden either. I'm I'm very indifferent to it. And I think there's a a good number of people my age who might be. I, I, obviously I can't speak for them, but having lived with this, to see it over it, it's it's really just kind of weird. It's it's like uh, there's just something gone now, but there was never really anything there to go away either. It, when I think of it on the long, larger scale, it's just, he's just one more guy that died in this whole horrible series of events. And the death of nobody thrills me. I'm, I'm never happy that anyone is, is killed or murdered or taken care of, whatever, you know, terminology you want to use here. But that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, Osama bin Laden not being alive anymore does not bring us any closer to a conclusion to any of this stuff. It might bring us a bit of resolution to some people for some part of this, but when you have a war on terror, it never ends because terror never goes away. Celebrating anyone's death, I think, is is a horrible thing. That made me more uncomfortable than anything I think I could have seen anywhere else. And I think when you really take it all in context and look at the whole thing, um, in a way, we lost. This is not the same America that existed pre-9-11. And I don't think it's been for the better. Thanks a lot.
I appreciate all your work. Take care. Hey, this is Daniel from California, and I was just calling because I've been listening to a lot of the commentary on Saddam's death, and I was just curious. I've heard a number of people say that the justification for feeling gleeful and going out into the streets and celebrating his death is justified because of the fear that he's caused our country and the death that he has caused to our country and all these things, which, you know, I can totally understand and get behind, but I'm curious when, you know, after 9-11, there was tons of news showing Middle Easterners celebrating out in the streets, and we looked at them and we hated them for it because they were celebrating the death of Americans. And, but they felt justified because of all the fear and death that we had brought to them. So I'm just curious, you know, were they then justified? Should we then pardon them for celebrating the death of 3,000 Americans in the World Trade Center? because we are now celebrating the death of somebody else on their side, you know, or not even necessarily their side, you know, not everybody agreed with Saddam or his actions, but I don't know. It just, I'm a little confused by what's being said just because it doesn't really seem to add up. So, I mean, is everybody justified in celebrating the death of others or should we maybe all just stop celebrating death and stop these wars that are just continuing, continuing, maybe take a broader approach to it? I don't know. I, I just am curious to hear what people say. Thank you. Keep up the great work. Hi, Jay. This is Ashley. I'm calling from Syracuse, New York. I wanted to comment um, about Osama bin Laden. A lot of people have been saying, you know, he really should have been brought back and put on trial. And in theory, I definitely agree with that. But to be honest, I feel like if he was here in the United States now, it would be epic and horrible, and there would be so much pondering between the right and the left, and we're already really worried about retaliation, and it would just put so much heat on the United States. And I hate to, like, be, like, selfish about it and think, you know, oh, what a relief, it's just over with, we don't have to deal with the months of, you know banter and potential violence, but I don't know. That's just how I feel. I'm really glad that it was just dealt with and we can move on. Thank you. Hi, my name is Eric from Alabama. I wanted to share my story about the uh, Osama Bin Laden killing. Um, I was a senior during 9-11, and uh, before then, I had decided that I was going to be a helicopter pilot for the Coast Guard and go save people. And a little while after 9-11, I decided that I was going to be a combat helicopter pilot for the Army and go um, help out the cause. So I did. I went to college, joined the Army. I'm a, I'm a combat helicopter pilot now. Um, the problem I have with the people in the streets celebrating all this is that I view the killing of Osama bin Laden as a military victory and a military operation for a military cause to stop Al-Qaeda from their mission against our country. So I look out and I see all these people partying in the streets, celebrating our military um, objective being reached, but I don't see them out there 
doing anything about our objective, our, our military losing people and soldiers who are being killed. And it angers me to the point of just rage because if the news was covering the deaths of soldiers as much as they were covering us getting uh, Sheikh Mohammed or us getting uh, Osama bin Laden or us getting Saddam for that matter, if they were covering every single time someone died, the public outcry would be huge. There would be way more people talking about how these wars need to be over. And they would probably be over by now, and I would not have to go over there and take care of business, okay? So that's my thoughts. Thank you very much. Oh, and just so you know, the next day after it was over, when I went to work, and I was standing around waiting for uh, PT to start, that's physical training, to start, my guys showed up. We were standing around the cars, just looked at each other and went, crazy, huh? Yeah crazy and that was the end of the discussion that's it thank you keep up the good work bye hey jay it's eric from alabama again uh, i wanted to add a little something to what i said i got pretty fired up and needed to get off um getting a little emotional i have uh <laughs> it's just weird to have like facebook friends profiles that have turned into memorials and uh, phone numbers in my phone from people who have died and I can't bring myself to uh, erase them. That kind of story on, on a national news cycle might actually make something happen in this country. But in addition to that, I, um, I want your, uh, your fans to understand that I don't want them to go to their friends and say, hey, this is the viewpoint of the U.S. Army. Because this soldier said this and this. This is the viewpoint of me. I am not representing the Army as a whole, nor am I allowed to. In fact, if my boss knew I made this phone call, I'd probably get in a lot of trouble. So, please, I implore you, don't go around telling your friends the viewpoint of the Army is that we need to get out of Afghanistan. Thank you. Hey Jay, this is Fred. I'm calling to talk about the uh, combat medic who called in a couple shows ago. I remember you were asking for some responses on those voicemails. And, uh, you know, what I think about that is, you know, I'm pretty familiar with the way things are, like military culture. And uh, basically what he said is how a lot of people feel. You know, in the military, there were some people who are like some, maybe people in the military who celebrated and jumped around and stuff, but a lot of soldiers were not that happy because they're the ones in Afghanistan, they're the ones in Iraq, and there really wasn't a reason to celebrate because a lot of their friends have died, a lot of their friends are overseas, and they might be going back overseas, so even though Bin Laden got killed, it really didn't mean the end of the war for them, and that's, um, that's what they care about the most. And then the second part of his email where, I mean, uh, his voicemail where with the disclaimer about I don't represent the army. Um, yeah, that's just how the military works. You know, some people think it's unfortunate, but you know, at the end of the day, soldiers try to keep themselves separate from the political process. Because when you're on the ground dealing with um, all the things the soldiers deal with, it only makes things more frustrating when you have to think about politics and um, you know, the army really puts it in your head from the beginning. Don't get involved with politics too much and don't 
get seen in public talking about certain policies. Um, that's just the way it is in the military. You're not really supposed to uh, put your opinion out there. You know, some people look at that in a bad way. Some people look at that in a good way. But that's why he put that second uh, voicemail out there is because the Army doesn't really encourage people to discuss politics in public. Um, and one last thing about Bin Laden's death is when it happened, I was actually happy and I celebrated because um, when I was uh, when it happened, I was real young, so I grew up uh, in the, I guess you could call the war on terror age or whatever. But the more I look back on it, there really wasn't a point in celebrating because a lot of people could argue that we still lost the war on terror. We still lost a lot of things because of Bin Laden, and for the most part, his legacy is still here. We lost trillions of dollars in two wars, thousands of troops, hundreds of thousands of uh, innocent civilians have died. Um, our image has been messed up around the world. People get felt up at the airport. We live in fear. We discriminate against our own people. The Patriot Act, the list goes on of Bin Laden's legacy that continues to hurt America today. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe one or two hundred years from now, people look at Bin Laden as someone who started the beginning of the end of, uh, of America being uh, a superpower. But I guess that's all to be uh, looked at in the history of books. But I just wanted to comment on that and uh, keep up the good work. Hey, Jay. This is Andrew. I'm calling from New York. Um, long-time listener, have yet to uh, been able to get up to scratch because I've been marginally employed for the last uh, couple of years. Um, calling from New York, as I said, and feel free to edit things as you need to. I may ramble a little bit because uh, the whole Bin Laden thing has kind of uh, struck a nerve. I'm a local boy in New York, born and raised. Uh, literally, my bedroom window growing up had a view of the towers. Uh, from the moment they were constructed. The towers were part of my life. And one of the things that um, I don't think that people uh, not from New York can really appreciate or haven't lived there can really appreciate is that the towers were sort of the North Star in New York. What do I mean is that anywhere that you were in the city, you could, uh, anywhere you were within sight of the towers, you could uh, basically use the relationship between the two towers and their shapes to orient yourself. So they were really a... Uh, more than just a little symbol uh, to you know, of capitalism. They were really part of our daily life. When I say I'm local in New York, I mean I'm local, uh, meaning that uh, the high school that I grew up, uh, that I went to in the city, uh, even though I lived in the North, North Shore of Staten Island, the high school I grew up in the city, uh, lost a couple of dozen guys in the towers. Uh, the guys I grew up next door to, all firemen, all came through okay, didn't have the courage to call their mom, went to a local firehouse to find out. Uh, went to college in the city, went to graduate school in the city, and hell, I actually had an appointment in the towers uh, for a job. I'd been laid off from finance uh, a month prior, had a job uh, interview at Cannon Fitzgerald scheduled for the, for the 11th at 11. So, I'm local, and I lost nobody in the first degree. And I say all that by way of you know, giving you background. I spent the day on uh, September 11th on the roof of my building, less than a mile north of Ground Zero, watching, uh, watching the, the rubble burn. 
watching the pile and actually saw the tower. Uh, I was actually in the shower preparing for my, uh, you know, getting ready to get out for my interview when the first plane flew over my head, lived along 6th Avenue in the West Village. And, um, you know, saw the first tower come down while I was uh, walking my dog because, you know, didn't want to be a vulture and just stare. I was figuring that the guys would take care of it, you know, the guys being the locals that I grew up with. The only reason I wasn't on a job is because when I got the calls from the PD and the FD, I had an ex-wife that didn't want me to join at that point, so I didn't. And uh, sort of, you know, ambivalent about that, you know, in 10 years, 20 years later. But all that by way of background, again, feel free to edit as you need to. Um, stood on the, stood on the, uh, stood on my roof with one of, with my best friend, uh, one of my best friends watching the pile smolder and I turned to him and I said uh, you know chickens coming home to roost so uh, when Reverend Wren the big uh, hullabaloo about Reverend Wright saying that came up I really wasn't surprised I was trained as a Sovietologist and I knew the history of, uh, of Bin Laden and the Mujahideen long before uh, you know, uh, it was really a known topic in, in the West I was deeply disturbed with the celebrations that went on. And really what I found, it was something that was, you know, at least in New York, was very much uh, limited to the young. And uh, the older folks that I know, you know uh, let's say 30 and older, uh, grown-ups, shall we say, didn't really seem to have much of that, you know, youthful ebullience about it. Uh, they understood that it was something that happened, something that may or may not have had to happen. I don't know that I agree. I think we should have, uh, I think we should have shown uh, to live by our principles and actually put him through the trial process, the adjudication process. Um, but I found it really disturbing, the displays of, of cheering by kids. And it really kind of angered me. In fact, uh, whenever I've traveled around the country, I've found that the further away I've gotten from New York, from Ground Zero, the more jingoistic people tend to get. The more chest beating I tend to hear, the more trash talking I tend to hear. Sort of a chair-born chicken hawk syndrome. Uh, you know, usually the people that talk the toughest are the, about military uh, endeavors are the ones that haven't served. Um, but the young lady that you you had on who spoke about her experiences being very young, being uh, you know, barely, well, I don't want to say barely sentient, but her feelings about how the death of Bin Laden was a relief to her, about how he was a dark cloud that she grew up under. I understood. Uh, I understood that because that was, those were my feelings watching the Berlin Wall fall as a child of the Cold War and as a uh, child of Eastern European Eastern European emigres, exiles. So I want to thank you, Jay. That that I think it's you know that it's it's given me a chance to view it differently. It uh, watching the the cheering had left me feeling very bitter and, and very the bad taste in my mouth and while it doesn't really taste much better now at least I feel like I can grasp why somebody who's all 20 years old can be cheering about the death of a, any man uh, was it Thomas Dunn the death of any man no man is an island so any man's death diminishes me anyhow thanks Jay for letting me ramble I tried to keep it as brief as possible uh, 
trying not to break down from this again. Um, and, you know, now that I travel a bit, but I'm making a point of being in New York on the 11th for the, for the 10th anniversary. And um, to all the people out there that are trying to work their way through this, uh, you know, I wish you all well. Again, Jay, thanks for the opportunity to share. Bye. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to all those who called in and left the messages that made up the content of today's show. If you would like to leave your own comments, questions, or activist calls to action yourself to be played on the show, the number to dial is 206-202-3410. And I absolutely, I just cannot tell you how grateful I am that the, the, the people who called in and left these messages decided, you know, of, of all the places they could get their feelings out or, or tell their stories, they decided to call in and add their voices to the conversation happening on in this show. It, I, I found it just absolutely fantastic and in, enlightening in ways I did not imagine. Um, I, I absolutely had my perspective broadened by the, by the variety of, of uh, you know angles that people were coming at and the different perspectives people had. And, and the, by far the most profound thing for me in this conversation was was not just realizing that uh, you know th- that that the the kids who were like you know ten or eleven years old in two thousand one who are now you know in in college they they are those those people who were either partying or or doing other things as as the callers uh, to the show actually revealed as you know being young but not the ones going out and partying. You know, not only did I, I gain this interesting perspective about how they felt about it, but I just mentioned on the last episode of this show that I just turned 29 years old, and uh, this conversation specifically, I mean, this one about bin Laden and, and about these perspectives of these kids, literally for the first time made me sort of grasp the fact that there are people in the world younger than me who have a conscious grasp of what's going on in the world. And, and this helped, I mean, you know, so if you're like in college or, or, you know, late high school or whatever, like, you know, there are people younger than you, but they're kids. They're absolutely kids. Um, you know, there's, there's no, there's no like, social consciousness going on with, with elementary school students for the most part. And so, so for me at 29 to realize, oh my God, there's like a generation of people younger than me who have things to say and actually make coherent sense that just on a personal level sort of blew my mind in a way that, you know, not, not because I was like dumb and out of touch, but like at you, as you go through phases in life, you just sort of grasp <laughs> these, this ongoing series of revelatory moments as you, as you go from one stage to the other. And, and I realized like, man, I, I guess I moved out of that stage of being like the youngest cognitive person on the planet is, is how it feels, you know, when you're in your early twenties. So, so that was interesting, but but specifically talking about the, you know, the the twenty two year olds who who called in and left their messages, um, like they they really changed my perspective 
on on my initial comments. You know, I I said basically that it it turned my stomach to hear people celebrating the death of Bin Laden, and it's not that that's not true anymore. I still don't I don't like it, but I've gained such an amazing perspective on just some insight into what could possibly be going through their heads. And, you know, of course, everyone's motivations are different, but, um, but it was really great to know that it was a lot more complex. There's a lot more to it than, than just thinking that college students like to party and they're sort of mindless because, because that was, that's the mindset I was in. Like I thought, I thought I was the youngest person who could think clearly and therefore anyone younger than me was like, oh, well, like they're in high school and they don't know what they're talking about yet. Like they, they, they haven't developed a personality yet, but you know, but, but these, these people who aren't actually kids anymore called in and, and, and said some really eloquent things and, uh, and ab- like not kidding whatsoever. I, you know, just while putting the show together, I was brought to tears multiple times during, during multiple uh, parts of, of listening to this show, coming to this understanding of of what this generation was put through in, in a way that I frankly wasn't. I mean, it, like we were all affected in in different ways, but um, but you know, I, I was eighteen when nine eleven happened, and so it didn't. You know, Bin Laden wasn't like the boogeyman to me who, uh, you know, who I like went to, went to sleep being afraid of, but if I was a lot younger, I can't even imagine how that would affect me and, and having, you know, this like ultimate bad guy out there all the time. And, and, and the way the, you know, mo- I heard multiple people say that it was, it, it felt like a weight being lifted that they, some of them didn't even know was there. And, but then they felt it being lifted and what can you do but rejoice in that situation? So just really fantastic. And, I would love to hear from from that generation again. I mean, I I, I think technically I'm still in that generation. I think I think maybe I am a millennial, uh, mathematically speaking. But you know, but but those people five or or ten years uh, younger than me, I would love to hear from you guys. You know, one year later, how's it feel? What what's what's the Bin Laden situation like now with a year? to, to reflect on it. Uh, I I would really love to hear from you guys. And, uh, as, and as the title of this episode indicates, I like, I just want to have a group hug with, with everyone involved in this. Just the, I mean, you guys, you guys blow me away with, with these comments and, and the stories that were told and, and the emotions that were revealed in these messages. Like, I just, I just can't say how much I appreciate it. Um, so that is it for that. But of course, I have a huge, huge announcement to get to, uh, which I will do right this moment. And uh, so to to build the suspense for this, uh, unless you've already heard this announcement, uh, the suspense I'm adding is that this is actually being co-announced on uh, the Young Turks as well as the David Pakman show, and uh, and both of those announcements went out before this one. So uh, so maybe they they preempted me. But, but we're all announcing together that we have created a, a new system. Well, to be fair, we're in the midst of creating a new system that, that we feel is going to revolutionize the way the progressive media gets funded. And so to back up just for a second, um, you know, if you listen to this show and, and all of our sort of colleagues in, in the same realm, basically everyone asks for membership 
uh, donations at, at this point. It's it's an incredibly good business model because it it allows us to uh, lean on our listeners directly rather than uh, trying to get uh, lots of advertising dollars, and which which is fantastic in all sorts of ways. And so what that has resulted in is th- that there are so many shows asking for membership donations that there are are people out there. You may very well be one of them yourself who are are signed up to support you know, two or three or five different shows. And, uh, you know, and so it's, it's costing you, uh, you know, a fair amount of money, which is perfectly fine because you're doing a good job uh, supporting all those outlets. Um, but you're, you're, you know, you're paying the PayPal fees on, on all of those, uh, different transactions. You're, you ha- you have to, you know, budget yourself and manage all of those different transactions, five, you know, at a time sometimes. And so basically we started getting emails, you know, myself, David Pakman, the Young Turks, uh, Citizen Radio, Majority Report. I mean, like we all started getting these emails from people saying, I'm supporting so many of these different shows and I love it. I want to keep supporting, but, you know, it's, it's becoming a hassle and I'm wondering if there's something you guys can do to make it easier. Is there any way that you could create sort of a unified payment system so that I could just make one payment to my progressive media and then it it goes away and gets split up amongst all the different shows that I want to support. And so, so we have that, that's, that's the answer. We, we have, uh, we've done the work. This uh, has been uh, about a year in, in progress between the young Turks, David Packman and myself, over the last uh, just less than a year now, we've been in conversations about how to make this a reality, but to do it in a way that doesn't just help you know a couple of shows. Uh, it's not just a partnership between three shows. W- what we want to create is something that fundamentally unlocks the power of you know fundraising for the entire progressive media community, and that includes you know podcasts and YouTube shows and radio shows and TV shows and blogs, anyone who who wants to raise money this way. And so the project we've come up with is called Our Blue Media. And you can find uh, what we have going on at ourbluemedia.com. And uh, so just a couple of the highlights, this system is going to allow a single payment to then be dispersed to multiple outlets. That's the number one request. Uh, it, it simply it simplifies everything on your end. It consolidates all the payments into one. You only make one payment and you choose who you want to support and those payments go off and everything is handled behind the scenes. The best analogy that I, I like to use to, to think of this, it's, it's like a unified cable bill, except it's a la carte. It's the dream of you know, television, whereas a cable company makes you pay for, you know, hundreds of channels you never watch. Of course, the magic of new media is that you only pay for what you like. You only pay for what you really want to support personally in in the same way that you only listen to what you want to listen to, or you only watch what you want to watch. And, and this marries those two ideas. It, it, it brings in the consolidated unified payment system that simplifies everything for you while maintaining the you know that crucial element of, of an a la carte system. And so you know that that's just touching on how how we're going to simplify the process of supporting your favorite uh, you know progressive media outlets, uh, whatever format they may, may be. I mean I'm a podcast, but you know blogs need to make money too. Um, but beyond that, when you bring all media entities like that under one payment umbrella, 
you allow sort of magic to happen. You can create a market that, that allows different outlets to partner with each other. So, you know, we haven't laid out the details yet, but, you know, it, wouldn't it be great if you wanted to sign up for a membership to Best of the Left as well as the David Pakman show? Maybe you could get a discount on, you know, when you buy two, you get, you know, a few percentage uh, off your payment and you, you know, but you're still, um, you know, a full, full member, you still get access to the bonus content. And, you know, so savings like that, if, if media outlets are, are partnering up with each other can really add up. So you can support, uh, you know, instead of maybe, maybe only being able to support four entities at full price, you can support five at, you know, 20% off. And, uh, and that money gets spread around more and everyone benefits from, uh, you know, you know, from that sort of interaction, you know, I have the utmost confidence that, you know, not only is this going to work, but, uh, both progressive media producers as well as consumers are going to be excited about this. I think it makes everyone's life easier. Uh, there's essentially no downside for anyone. It's, it's a really a win, win, win all the way around uh, sort of situation. And, and so in, in line with the idea of creating this entity, uh, our blue media for the benefit of the progressive media community as a whole, we really want to build it as a community as well. And so what we're doing right now is a fundraiser because uh, to develop a site like this, you know, it's, uh, you know, it obviously takes professional developers to, to do something like this some, uh, far, far out of my hands to, to build something like this on my own. Um, and, and so the development costs as well as, as the fees associated with creating an entity like this, um, bring us to a goal of $15,000 that we're trying to raise directly from the community itself. That that's, you know, the, the supporters as well as producers, everyone who's going to benefit from this has, has a chance to help make it a reality and, and help build it. So we're trying to raise $15,000. Obviously I'm talking about it here. I just uh, was interviewed on the Young Turks uh, to, to get the word out to their audience. David Pakman is announcing it. We're going to reach out to all of our uh, friends in the media who we can get on board with this to help us promote this fundraiser. And, and I have no doubt whatsoever that we're going to be able to raise this money and make this site a reality because this is one of the, those instances when you, know, you, can, you can donate to a cause and you will see absolutely concrete results for that donation because if when we raise this money the website will be built and it will improve the entire progressive media community's ability to fund itself and then of course of course it's sort of just a side note but i know you are going to lose your mind in in glee and bliss over this fact uh, of course we are not using paypal as the uh, as the money changers on the back end of this website, we are uh, you know besides ourselves, we are partnering with a progressive minded uh, company that is not you know run by evil libertarians who want to go live on an island basically. So if you would like to help make this idea a reality, please visit ourbluemedia.com. Uh, there's also a link at my website that you can follow and uh, and and donate. Uh, all the details are there. 
all of the uh, you know the, the the fundraiser and and everything is laid out so you can read up on it even more. And uh, for everyone who donates twenty dollars or more to and with a variety of different levels of support that we have available, uh, everyone is going to be thanked on the website in a permanent way because, as I said, this is not just being built by us and you know as as parts of of the progressive media and uh and for the the community but it's being built by the community itself and we want to reflect that on the website by thanking all of the people who become founding supporters of this site and and have you listed on the site as as someone who helped make this happen this fundraiser stretches uh from today to the end of may and uh, as I said, our goal is $15,000 and anything we raise above $15,000 simply goes to uh, building out the website even more. You know, we have, we have the, the core set of functionality, but we have plenty more ideas that we would like to incorporate. But of course, it just takes more to, to add that on. So if we're able to not only meet, but uh, surpass our fundraising goal, um, every little bit just goes to making the site that much better and better. So again, ourbluemedia.com. Please support it. I am absolutely confident in my prediction that, that this will be uh, really genuinely revolutionary for the progressive media community that we are all a part of. So that's going to be it for today. I just want to thank everyone for supporting the show, supporting this project, uh, listening, and so on. Of course, everyone can support the show just by telling everyone you know about it. Stay tuned into the show between episodes by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter. And for details on the show itself, including links to all the sources and music used in this and every episode, all that information is always posted in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from far outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast, coming to you every third day, thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com. Fine, fine, black and white, Bought a picture that wasn't right Pitch burning on a shining sheet The only maker that you want to meet A dying man in a living room Whose shadow bases the floor Who take you out in the open door This is not my life It's just a fond farewell to a friend